my old workflow used to be like, I'll set up an endpoint and then I would have to go look at that endpoint code and be like, what does it take again? I don't remember. Whereas with TRPC, I just get that feedback immediately on my client side. And the productivity kind of just soars from there. Hi, and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Sean, and with us today is Chris Bautista, or Trash, who's a senior software engineer at Netflix and recently spoke at Next.js Conf about making TypeSafe APIs easy with TRPC. So welcome to the podcast, Trash. Hey, hey, happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you join us. And before we get started, I feel like you know, for those who might not have heard of you yet, can you can you tell us what Trash Dev is and, and uh, why you chose that as the name? <laughs> yeah, so I think when COVID first started and everyone started becoming remote, I I wanted to be able to talk to people within my community. So I reached out to the software and dev Twitch category to kind of put myself out there and talk to like minds, but I couldn't think of a username. So I suffer from like insane imposter syndrome. <laughs> so I was like, okay, how can I lower the expectations as, as much as possible? So then when people come in, they won't judge me. So I chose trash dev. So then when they come in, they're like, well, okay, I either exceed their expectations or I meet their expectations, right? There's really no way I can fail. It's kind of like a win-win situation. Um, so I kind of shielded myself from just like feeling really bad about myself uh, by using this name. And it kind of just ended up sticking. Uh, and now everyone literally just knows me by trash. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I don't know. I kind of I enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Like you'll always exceed expectations. Uh, my my guess was that it was like trash dev is like a a moniker um, to like lower the barrier of entry into development. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a funny a funny name. Um, and so, when did you start doing like the online stuff on, on Discord and, and Twitch? I guess what is your journey as, as a developer up to this point? Yeah, so I look fourteen, but I'm really old. Um, so everyone thinks I'm like pretty new to this space, but I've been around. Uh, yeah. So when I graduated college way back when, I never wanted to be a developer. Like I didn't really go to school for computer science. Um, I kind of had like a general like business degree. But then I realized all my friends around me that graduate at the same time me like were getting jobs and I was kind of just like sitting there. Um, but I did take like I took like one or two programming classes in college and I was like, man, I got to find a job. I went on Craigslist and there was a job that literally just said programmer. And I clicked it and then I went to do an interview and I had to write like two if statements and I began, and then, and then I got the job. I was like, I guess I'm a programmer now. And I was writing, uh, this wasn't that long ago, but I was doing mainframe programming. So, so I did like AS400, COBOL, Fortran, like the stuff you see like in programming books from way back when. Um, and I was kind of stuck in that world for a year. And then I realized like, oh man, this is like not cutting edge stuff. So then I transitioned to like, uh, doing like .NET for a while. And I was like really into like databases. So I was like a PLSQL developer for a little bit. I was super into just like writing queries and doing a bunch of crazy stuff like that. <clears throat> but I was in the backend space for a while. Uh, so I went from C Sharp to Java. And then I was at some agency and I was sitting next to a front end developer. And I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, just pixel pushing, make, making the designs all nice. And I was like, I was like, that looks so much fun. Like I'm literally just looking at code and that's like all I see. Like, I don't really get any feedback. No one really knows what I'm doing. So I, I kind of like started eating lunch with the JavaScript people. And, and like, I think like 
through like those like lunch breaks, I was like, man, I kind of want to learn JavaScript. Like no idea what it was. Like they were using jQuery because this is like, this is like back in the grunt and gulp days. Um, and I was like, man, what, what do these tools even mean? It was like so confusing. Um, so then from that point on, I kind of dove in uh, onto the front end realm. Um, but then I was kind of like what you would call full stacky, not really true full, true full stack, but I was doing a lot of C sharp, but I was also doing bunch of front end work and then I'm I've been slowly transitioning to mainly the front end but I still will do back end work as well just because that's kind of like part of my my roots right um and that kind of led me to where I was today I think like if it wasn't for javascript I became like so passionate about it I don't think I would be where I am today cuz that's like basically pretty much what I do at Netflix I'm like UI engineer here as well and I don't think like without like me truly like loving the work because to be honest as a back-end engineer i was kind of just it was just a job i was kind of just going through the motions i was like okay yeah i get a paycheck i need that to live but then when i found like the friend in the world i was like man i like actually like this so then i kind of you know when you like something you tend to kind of go all in on it and it, you know there's like that cliche thing like if you love your job it doesn't or if you love what you do it's not work i wouldn't say it's like to that extent but um i truly enjoy like the space um and that's kind of like how i landed where i am now Awesome. Yeah. So when you say you've been all over the stack, it, you really mean it with the the mainframe experience. That's uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's a it's a it, like whenever people see like sometimes I'll go over like all the languages I've done in the past. They're, they're like, "What is this?" Like it's like an encyclopedia of like where you've been. Um, so yeah, it's interesting for sure. So yeah. So getting into the front end, uh, like you said in the in the grunt and gulp days, how do you feel about you know how the ecosystem has has changed up to now? Yeah, I mean, tool fatigue is real. Um, <laughs> there's so many things going on in this space. Like every day, there's like a new framework. Every day, someone's rewriting how to do bundling or something. So for me, it does get kind of overwhelming, but it's really up to you to kind of ignore that noise, right? A lot of people see like the shiny toy syndrome or whatever you call it, where they kind of just reach for everything. I'm kind of like, this works for me. I have like my set of tools until it stops serving its purpose or it doesn't do it well, like, then I'll go reach for something else. Um, but it, I think it's a lot more exciting than the backend space, in my opinion, just because it's always evolving. Um, but that can be seen as good as bad, good and bad, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's never there's never a shortage of drama in the front end world. Do you feel that some of the new tools and frameworks that are coming out feel more mature, and that potentially the 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 changes uh, will be a bit more long lasting? Like I think Next JS is a really good example where you know it does so much, um, and I don't really think of that many other tools I need to like pull in with it to use. Um, I think the the API routes in in particular are one thing that I found really powerful. Um, like they just let you go full stack. Um, just by using this JavaScript library and and uh, yeah, I guess so. How have you how have you felt about about using Next? Yeah, Next is great. To be honest, I don't use Next anymore in my day job. I was using it previously, um, but I do use it in a lot of personal projects. But yeah, I mean, like Next.js is like it gives you like superpowers and your productivity uh, kind of skyrockets, right? Because like like you said, with API routes, you're pretty much full stack. You don't have to go set up your own like express server or something you kind of just make a file in this directory and then you can kind of just do what you want and you just mindlessly code in it and you without like any i mean not without any consequences but just like the barrier to entry to do backend things is just like not there anymore right like people people that are making api routes don't even realize it's like backend code because it just doesn't feel like it it just feels like another javascript file in your file structure right um, to let you do things. 
So like, because of that, like it just has enabled so many people to do so many cool things. Like way back in the day, like to make a full stack application, you kind of had to go through like this whole like song and dance to get a backend set up, get your friend in to talk to it. And now it's just like, all right, I'm just going to make a file and type some code and, and then boom, I'm there. So it's like amazing. Yeah, there's just like, just one command to get it running locally. You don't have to worry about like, hey, is my front end dev server running? Is the back end dev server running? Um, so it feels really convenient in that way. And in your talk, you were more specifically talking about the type safe APIs. Um, so like, what are some solutions um, out there today that like provide type safe APIs? Yeah, so there's quite a few and I mentioned them in my talk. So one was like, like open API, if anyone is not familiar with open API, if you probably might've heard of Swagger. Um, and then there's also something like GraphQL CodeGen, which I use at my day job. Uh, so es essentially, like what those do, they, they basically just introspect like your schema, and then they just spit out all these types for you, right? And that's kind of how you get that type safety. Um, and I think those solutions are great. Um, I don't know. Do you have any experience, or have you used any of like these like uh, like code generation type solutions? Yeah, at, at LogRocket, we use uh, GraphQL CodeGen as well. So like defining a schema and then and it kind of like spits out the types you need. Um, so that I have found to be to be pretty convenient, but I haven't explored too many, too many other options out there. Yeah, yeah, same here. Like I've like the OP API stuff, I'm aware of it. I don't have like professional experience with it, but I have used like Relay and like with Apollo CodeGen with uh, CodeGen with Apollo as well. And to be honest, like those those work pretty well, right? Like, I don't know if like you've had any negative experiences, but like, it's pretty straightforward. You just like generate this and then you get like these hooks you can use to consume in your app. And they're like very convenient to be honest. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I think that having, at least the in our GraphQL code gen setup, there's like a new a new build steps, like regenerate the types. Um, but of course I think that people can maybe work that more seamlessly than I have into their local development experience where they're not kind of reloading. Um, the types like, you know, from, from the command line manually, but, um, yeah. So what is the, what is the TRPC, uh, type safe API? Do you think it's like a new, a new challenger that's gonna, um, win over against, uh, the GraphQL code gen? Uh, I don't, I don't know if they're like direct competitors. Cause it's kind of like saying is GraphQL competitor to TRPC, which I don't, I don't think that's the case. Like GraphQL like, has its purposes. And I know Alex who created, um, TRPC is like a huge GraphQL, um, like advocate um but trpc does like give you an alternative way to achieve like this type safety type things like usually i've talked to some people when they reach for graphql um their main reason is for the type safety because they want the graphql code gen not necessarily because of graphql like with trpc that that gives you an, a more lightweight alternative to achieve kind of like the same results right um and i think like like recently, like TRPC just has been taking off. Like the stars have just been rising like crazy. We've been seeing a lot more activity in Discord and a lot more adoption because people have seen like how quick you can set this up and then just get like the immediate type safety. Um, and like the the developer experience uh, is just amazing. I think that's like, I think that's like why it's just blowing up right now at the moment. Yeah. Is it just that it's easier to kind of integrate into your existing application is it incrementally adoptable or is it just it doesn't have all of like the, the baggage that comes with you know bringing graphql which might involve kind of migrating from your more like traditional like http rest api to graphql um so okay. i think the migration path for if you're going from like graphql to trpc would be easy i would i think we recommend against it like if you're on graphql 
you should probably just stay there. Um, if you already have like that type safety going on, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze or squeeze is worth it. I don't, I don't know what I was going to say there. Something like that. Um, I, I totally messed that up. But um, yeah, but when you think about it or like TRPC has these resolver functions and your resolver functions are literally a function that returns something. So assuming your existing backend is just made up of functions, like they just say, hey, this function goes and gets this data source, you can literally just copy and paste that code and put it in your resolver function, right? Um, so like in my mind, like I personally haven't done a full migration from like a traditional REST setup to TRPC, um, but through conversations, like I've seen people like on Discord talking about migrations, um, it's literally a matter of them copy and pasting that logic into this resolver function. However, um, Suchin also has made a code mod so if you're like on V9, like currently we're on V10, or we just released V10 RC, um, we have a code mod to kind of migrate you there. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that sounds super convenient. Uh, so there's help out there online uh, if you're looking to to migrate. Um, for sure, for sure. In terms of like the inputs then, um, are those just normal TypeScript types or is there kind of a specific uh syntax API and, and TRPC for setting up those inputs to your routes. Yeah. So the inputs are effectively like your contract, right? To your to your like endpoint. Um, so we use Zod. You don't have to use Zod. You could use something like Yup. Um, if you're not familiar with Zod, it's pretty much just like a validator. I think most commonly used with forms. Um, but yeah, so like obviously not all endpoints necessarily need inputs, but when you do need an input saying you need to send like an ID or some other piece of arbitrary data, um, we can use Zod to make sure that you're sending the right stuff, right? Um, because if you break that contract, we'll TypeScript will immediately let you know and be like, "Hey, this isn't actually a valid input. You need it needs to be this, right?" And that's and that's where the, like the DX I think is grabbing everybody and why everyone's kind of gravitating towards this is because it's like like my old workflow used to be like I'll set up an endpoint and then I would have to go look at that endpoint code and be like, what does it take again? I don't remember. Or I will just kind of guess and then go to the browser, see that my endpoint failed in my network tab. And I'm like, ah, okay, let me go look at the code. Whereas, you know, with TRPC, I just get that feedback immediately on my client side, right? Um, and that's like the productivity kind of just soars from there, I feel like, in my opinion. Yeah, and I've definitely been guilty of that, that kind of like trial and error uh, procedure for setting up a new API endpoint, like send the params like, oh, okay, what did I spell wrong? Let me see what where the error is in Chrome DevTools. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, it feels like, it feels like coding like that. Like I haven't, like, so I use CodeJang at work and I'll use TRPC on, on personal projects. When I'm not in any of those two ecosystems, it just feels like such a chore to do anything because um, you're just constantly switching files, constantly, you know, like you said, trial and error. And, you know, it's just, it's no way to live your life. Like people just want to build fast and, you know, make sure nothing's break, breaking while you're doing doing it. So, yeah, exactly. Like seeing the errors like show up in whatever editor you choose, like, you know, before you go and test something out, just like really speeds up the development cycle. And Zod, I haven't heard of. Um, I've used Yup, but um, so if, if there's somewhere, then uh, Yup is definitely a really good experience. Yeah, very, very similar. Like if you're familiar with Yup, you could use Zod like pretty quick. Like the docs are pretty good. And, it's a very similar kind of API, so nothing crazy. And do you know, do both of those kind of boil down to TypeScript types? Is it just like a more convenient wrapper around making types? So I know Zod treats like, it's more like TypeScript first. Um, I haven't used Yup in a while, 
but from the last time I used it, Yup wouldn't throw type errors. And and I think after that, I think I, and then I could just this just could could just be personal experience, but when I was using Yup, like the TypeScript experience wasn't as um pleasant as it was with Zod. And then after I used Zod, like everything kind of clicked. Um and I actually want to give a shout out here. There's Matt Pocock, who's like a TypeScript wizard on the internet. He has a Zod course. So if anyone familiar, isn't familiar with Zod, take his free course on his website. And it'll pretty much just give you a walkthrough uh, on how to use Zod and like how it works with TypeScript. It's, it's awesome. Oh, awesome. I'll check that out after this. Nice. And have you, so have you used, uh, the, I think it's the React use query library outside of this. I think this, uh, that was the first that I've, I've heard of that one, but I've, I've been hearing that it's like a really r- robust um, request library. Yeah. So I think it's important to note, like you don't have to use um, TRPC with React. It's like framework agnostic. So you can, we have like a vanilla client that you can just use with anything, but the community has been making adapters for a bunch of different frameworks as well. However, if you are in the React, if you're using a React, like, or, or if you're in the React ecosystem, we do have a thin wrapper around React query, which I think is called Tanstack query now. Um, but yeah, if you haven't used React query, it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's become like the de facto way to just doing your data fetching in in uh in your React app, unless you're using GraphQL or some other tool already. Like uh, React Query is like from what I've seen, just everyone's been using it because like the benefits there is like it's like the cache handling it does for you. It makes just caching like so easy, and it gives you a bunch of a lot of tools to like invalidate cache and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of people kind of like spin their own ways to do things um they'll have like their own like use fetch hook and then manage their own cache some certain way like react query will just take care of all that for you like you no longer have to like write your own like use effects and stuff like that just go use this and it and like since you're familiar with like graphql code gen it's like kind of a similar experience when you have like these use like hooks kind of exported from you so when you go into like some component you're just like oh just use get this or whatever and then it just does it for you right so it feels very, very similar. Yeah, it's so nice when when libraries kind of remove some cognitive burden that you'd otherwise have to like, you know, roll your own caching, for example, which, you know, is, is hard to get right. So uh, it's nice that the framework does that for you. Yeah, exactly. Caching is like one of the hardest things like in the space, right? So it's like no better way than to have like a battle tested library do this for you. Um, so that's kind of like, like, I know I'm not smarter than them, so I'd rather have them do it for me than me, right? That's kind of like how I see the scenario. Do you want to talk at all about um, the developer experience of using these tools? Because in the video, you have like a pretty sweet, seamless setup where you're kind of like flipping back and forth between server client code definitions. Um, I think you were using Vim, is that right? Um, so yeah, like so the developer experience as far as, yeah, in my talk, I was kind of bouncing between the backend code and the front end code, right? Pretty seamlessly. Again, you can do this in VS Code or any other editor. We're just you're just leveraging like the language server or the TypeScript language server. Um, so yeah, so Alex did this really cool thing, and I can't speak to the technical details of his of his technical prowess, but he was able to like build a new version of TRPC in a way where you can literally just you know if you're on Mac, command click on some piece of your code and will literally send you to definition, right? And that definition would be living in your backend code. Um, how that all works, completely magic to me. Um, it's insane, but that's like kind of unheard of. Typically when people are working with their backend, like they have to go like find that file and go look for it, right? Or like, you know, search all 
and then function name or something and go find that back in endpoint. Whereas with the new way of chair PC, like with the, just using TypeScript, he just, you know, just leverage TypeScript to literally enable us to just say, hey, click on this. It will take you straight to your code or straight to the server implementation. And if you do, and if you rename the server implementation or like you rename the, the function, it will go and fix that on the, on the front end, right? And it, it's great because like, we're literally just using TypeScript to power all this. We're not doing anything crazy. We're not leveraging any other libraries. It's just simply TypeScript um, enabling us to do all this stuff. Um, which in my opinion is really great because I'm like, I've become a really big TypeScript fanboy <laughs> in the past year going like pretty deep into it. Um, so it's like amazing. Like you can kind of like pull this stuff off and it just like, it just blows my mind. Like this kind of stuff exists. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I always feel when I'm doing like control find all and, and kind of looking through that pain in VS code that I'm like doing something wrong or there should be a more efficient way. And so it's nice that that is kind of made seamless uh, with TRPC. Yeah, exactly. When you rename something, the tooling does it for you. You don't have to search all and search all and replace, right? Like that, like the Stone Age of like web development. <laughs> yeah, and so this is you know using this in in Next. How does the server side rendering play into it? Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so in my talk, I kind of like briefly went over it. Like essentially, there was like a flag called SSR true that exists in the configuration. By default, it's false. Um, but if you want server side rendering, you obviously can just set that as true. Um, the internals of how that work is a little little tricky. Um, but effectively, what it does is this, we do, I think we leverage something from Urkel or from Formidable Labs. There's like this prepass library that we have, which effectively just crawls your, your DOM and just looks for these calls, right? And as it goes through your DOM tree, it finds like a call because, okay, okay, cool. Let me execute this call, okay? Are there any more calls? Let's keep crawling your DOM structure. Is there any more calls? Oh, I found one. Let me go ahead and suspend and make that request as well, and so forth and so on. So that's kind of how that works, right? It's, it's basically just recursively going through your through your tree and executing any request it can find, um, and then essentially, you know, creating that DOM for you and then surface side rendering it. Yeah. So if you had to just pick, I mean, we've like talked about like a bunch of different like awesome aspects of TRPC, but if you had to just pick one part about it that you love the most, what do you think you'd, what do you choose? So for the V10 version, I think my favorite thing is literally what we were just talking about with the developer experience around just being able to go to definition of your server implementation and then going right back to like your client code. Um, like that right there, I've never had that experience before. And that's like why, I, like there was a lot of things I could have demoed on my talk, but I really wanted to call that out because I feel like that experience, at least outside of TRPC, I haven't had. Um, and I thought that, I thought it was just like, just mind blowing that it was just that simple. I mean, I'm sure developing it wasn't simple, but for us people consuming it, um, it just, it just, it just, it just feels like magic to be honest. Yeah. I'm really excited to, to check this out after this. Um, you should totally, you should totally try it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we really appreciated you uh, coming on. Um, for our listeners, go watch uh, the video. I think it's on on YouTube, Making Types a APIs Easy with TRPC. Um, so thank you, Trash. And uh, where else can people find you online? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Twitch. I think my username is Trash underscore Dev. Or you can find me on Twitter at Trash underscore Dev. But the Trash has two H's because I think someone already claimed that name. And I don't think they're going to give it to me. So... <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's been an honor. Well, cool. Thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, man, that's been great. Thank you. Thank you.